Thank you for tuning in to Carolina Conservative. My name is Matt Gore. I am your host. Today's guest is Sandy Smith. She is running for Congress, U.S. Congress, in North Carolina's 1st District. This is a district that needs to be turned red, and she is your conservative candidate. Sandy holds nothing back in this interview, and I hope you enjoy it. And if you are in the 1st District, you need to be voting for Sandy Smith. Again, enjoy the interview, and thank you for tuning in to Carolina Conservative. You're now listening to Carolina Conservative. So Sandy Smith is my guest today. She is the Republican candidate for United States Congress in North Carolina's first district. Sandy, welcome to Carolina Conservative. Hi, thanks for having me. All right, great. Uh, yes, thank you very much for joining the show. And um, if you could, please just uh, just give us a quick background on, on Sandy Smith. Well, um, once again, thanks for having me. Um, I am the official Republican nominee for North Carolina's first congressional district. I won the nomination in a very uh, uh, tight and, and uh, uh, hard-fought primary against seven other people. And I won. I ended up on top without a runoff. So that's how I got here. I'm a Marine mom. My daughter served in the United States Marines. I'm a business owner. Uh, my husband and I own a construction firm, as well as I'm a real estate investor. And we are also farmers. We have 137 acres that we have row crops on. And then we have a small little 10-acre farm that we have uh, livestock on. Uh, I, like a lot of Americans, decided... You know, enough is enough, and uh, there becomes a time that we just can't sit on the sidelines. And that's when I decided to step up and run for office because, you know, if we want something done, we have to be willing to step up. And here I am, and I'm going to make it happen. Right. And I thank you, number one, thank you for, um, thank your daughter for her service. And, um, and and thank you for stepping up because you're right. I think it's time that people get off the sidelines and and we get rid of this um, kind of career political class and move back to the citizen legislature as it's meant to be. Absolutely. And that, I mean, that's one of the clearest d d distinctions between myself and my opponent is I'm not a career politician. Uh, you know, I've worked in the private sector where my opponent has been a career politician his entire life. He has never held a private sector job. He really doesn't know what it's like to struggle. At one point, I was a single mom. So I understand what it's like to decide what, you know, what are we gonna buy at the market to make sure we can get through the week and feed everybody. And, you know, right now, I mean, we're seeing so many families across our country, but especially here in the first district in North Carolina suffering. You know, we can't find food in our stores. I don't know if you've been into the grocery stores lately, but, you know, I live in Rocky Mount, North Carolina, and I'll walk into the Walmart any day of the week, and shelves are bare. You go to the lunch meat aisle, because cheese lunch meat, that's my family loves sandwiches. Uh -huh. I know that's really funny, but it's bare. There's nothing there. And you go to buy a gallon of milk, and it's almost $6, and a dozen eggs is 5 
you know, I, I thought when we saw three dollars and fifty cents for a dozen egg, that was that was crazy, and now it's you know four and five dollars. So um, we we need we we need so much help. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it, you know, number one, what, what you said, being a career politician, there's no way you have a sense of of what real Americans are going through. And right now, more and more Americans than ever are having to make those hard decisions. And in, even if you do have the money, you're right. Will you be able to even be able to find what you're looking for at the store? So, And what you do find is going to be at a premium. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's at a premium price, but it's subpar product, honestly. Correct. Correct. And it, the same thing goes with service as well, it seems like right now. Um, but well, yes. Yeah, go ahead. Correct. I was going to say, you're absolutely correct. But what the problem is with our service spaces, it's not the companies, it's not the businesses, it's the government who's incentivized folks to stay home. I mean, when they, when you go to you know McDonald's or any fast food joint, and they you, you you talk to the folks, and they'll tell you, look, I make more money staying home than I do mm -hmm. at making, you know work coming to work. And you know, back in the day, it used to be you no show, you no call, you're fired. Now that nowadays, you no show, you no call. The employer is calling, begging, saying, hey, will you come in? Because they're barely making it. They can they can't keep their doors open. And um, it's all because of the government incentivizing people to stay home. You're exactly right. I, I run a business as well, and it is a service-based industry. And you're exactly right. It, it's You're begging people to work right now because, the, honestly, it's, it's a bad business decision on their end to work. Oh, absolutely. And honestly, I mean, you, kinda, you can't blame them. But we have to do something to fix fix the problem. It's kind of like our open border down down uh, on the the south of the United States. Our open border down there. We are, you know, being in, invaded really mm -hmm. by illegal immigrants. You know, they're truly searching for a better life, and I don't blame them because if I was in their shoes, I would do the same thing. But we need to seal the border because we need to know who's coming in and we we need to take a look at that it's, it's we need to stop we've got drugs we got human trafficking um but again all government self-inflicted yep absolutely um so hypothetically speaking it's january 2023 the red wave that we we assume is going to happen uh has happened because i, I really do i think at this point, the momentum is definitely pushing in Republicans' favor. So assuming that the red wave does happen, um, Republicans take control of the House and the Senate, what should be the number one priority in Washington at that point? Well, I think the first of day one, what we are going to do is we are going to defund those 87,000 IRS agents. Uh, I think that is uh, what the Republicans, uh, uh, our entire uh, conference wants to do, and and we need to do that. And what we want to do is then allocate that funding down to our southern border and put eighty seven thousand uh, border patrol agents on the on our southern border. You know those 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 IRS agents that the Democrats have funded through the Biden administration are targeting average Americans like you and I. They have to have somebody pay for their special pet project, and they think we're going to do it. But when we take back the house. And when I'm Congresswoman Smith, we are going to vote to defund those 87,000 IRS agents. 
I love that. I love that. I think that's a, a very good priority because, it, yeah, they're not they're not looking for the the big time criminal organizations. You're right. They're they're attacking you and me, small business owners, um, mom and pop that, or or just average Joe that may have said the wrong thing on Facebook. Um, yeah, they're, uh, so. they're talking to targeting folks that make twenty thousand dollars a year. Yeah. I mean, that's not even that's that's below poverty levels. Truly. Yeah. Better keep your receipts. That's all I can say. Um, it's so, on the paper trail. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, so, but you did, I, you did, you did hear what they did to Candace Owens. They're now in. They are not now auditing her uh, nonprofit because, or yeah, it's her five hundred one c nonprofit because she told them, "Hey, you should look into the Black Lives Matter." Isn't that ironic that they're target? They're still targeting conservative voices, conservatives in general. It is, I mean, the IRS and many of the the federal branches of government, or departments, not branches of government, but departments are being used as weapons of the Democratic Party. Oh, it's horrible. We've got to stop it. We have an opportunity to stop it. If we take action, we come together as American patriots that we are. Yes, yes. Uh, so in that same vein, uh, hypothetically speaking, um, Republicans are in charge. What investigations need to take place first? Uh, for investigations, wow, there are so many different things. We definitely need to be investigating our FBI. Um, we have some corruption in the upper levels that are actually uh, causing a, a, a negative reflection of our hardworking men and women on the lower levels. Mm -hmm. We have some fantastic FBI agents. Uh, we also need to take a look at Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. You know, we we truly need to impeach both of them. They 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 have done horrendous damage to our country, and that's something we definitely need to look at. Very good. Um, so, what is the the best strategy going forward concerning the United States' best strategy going forward concerning Ukraine and Russia? Well, I think the best strategy for us is to open our Keystone XL pipeline. And, and get our American energy flowing fast. Because once, if you recall, when we are energy independent, the world is a safer place. And right now, Russia is trying to strong arm and, and cripple you know, Europe with, 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 by strangling them from getting energy. And we need to make sure that we are not allowing that to happen. And, and I think that's gonna be the most effective way that will improve life here in the United States, but as well as is is uh, push and help facilitate peace throughout the world. Yeah, I, I agree. When when America is strong and energy independent, we can argue from a point. We can negotiate from a from a point of strength. And you're right. The world is a stronger, safer place in that case. But right now, we're negotiated from a, an absolute point of weakness. And they've got us. They've got us bit over the barrel, basically. Um, Saudi That's Arabia, empty barrel. <laughs> yeah, an empty barrel of oil. Yes, exactly. Um, they've they've got all the cards. We've got nothing, mm -hmm. unless and we choose to to use our strength, which we you know we're choosing not to. Well, the thing is, President Trump had it right. You 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 are able to uh, what is what was um, I lost the train of the the thing. Um, Peace through strength. That was what I was going to say. And mm -hmm. we were so respected throughout the world. And um, a lot of folks 
are slowly realizing, you know, how much of a safer place we had and how much of a stronger respected country we had during President Trump's administration. And now looking at the Biden regime, and I call it a regime because that's exactly what they're acting like. Um, we've, we, we're showing that we are weak, that we are vulnerable, and that we can be bullied around and pushed around. And that, that's horrific. I mean, they released today that, you know, our military is not ready for action. I think our Marine Corps, go Marine Corps, ura, uh, that they were the only ones that were, were rated as, had a strong rating. And that's extremely alarming. So um, we, we've got a lot of work to do. To, I mean, and, and it's, it's scary to think Joe Biden did this less than two years. Less than two years. Yep. You're absolutely right. And um, I was I was following someone earlier today on Twitter and they said intentionally, intentionally. Um, yeah, it, there's no mistakes happening here. You know, he, he's a bumbling fool, but they know what they're they're doing, exactly what they said they were going to do and exactly what they want to do. It's almost as if they are literally and some might say they are trying to burn down the house. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, some of the things that they are doing, we would never have even fathomed them years ago. Never, mm -hmm. never, you know. And they're doing it. I mean, they're they're destroying our families. They're destroying our country. They're destroying our, you know, our way of life. It's it's crazy. I agree. Um, and, and moving on, you you mentioned families, so let's talk about kids. Um, one of the issues that you highlight on your website is school choice and education. So what does school choice look like to you in, in the plan that you see the, as best to go move forward? First, first of all, let me say, I believe ch school choice and all of the education dollars should follow the child. If you as and, and, and bottom line, let, let me say this, this is even more important. The parents are the ultimate decision makers. We are the parents are not co-parenting with the government, and we need we need to send a strong message that that is that 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 is the law of the land. That parents have the ultimate decision. That's why I think it's so important for us to pass a parents' bill of rights act. You know, a lot of folks don't know my opponent just a few months back voted against the parents' bill of rights act, and in that parents' bill of rights act, that was addressing these sexual groomers in the classroom um, because we were trying to stop um, sexual grooming of kindergarten through third grade. But my opponent voted against it because he thinks it's totally okay. On top of that, in that bill that he voted against, that he, he didn't want uh, enacted, uh, it was encouraging teachers and children to keep secrets from parents. That is unacceptable. When it comes to our education here in the United States, we spend thousands and thousands of dollars per child and our children are getting subpar third world education. We need to get back to the, the basics, reading, writing, arithmetic, history. We need to leave all the sexual information, grooming, whatever to the parents. Let them decide when it's their, their child's time to learn about those things. We should not have educators and the government in the schools confusing our children and causing them to question their gender, it's, it's insane. And since we're on the topic of schools, I'll say this, because we need to make sure our girls have safe spaces at school, meaning they do not need to have men, biological men, 
in the bathroom pretending to be women. They don't need to be in our locker rooms. And more importantly, they do not need to be on our sports schools teams stealing our girls' scholarships. So you had me on a little bit of a rant for a second, but I was like, let me go. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> no, I, I cannot argue with anything you just said. The, you started off and, you know, I didn't know where you stood exactly with school choice. But when you said the money should follow the student, no matter where the student goes, that is that's the key to me um to make it true school choice you've got the money has to follow that kid and you're right um, we need to get back to basics i've i've spoken to several teachers and students lately high school students middle school students who said don't let your kids go to middle school don't let your kids go to public middle school don't let your kids go to high school and that's sad i mean i was a public school kid my my school was awesome, um, but but we didn't talk about oh what gender are you? I mean yeah. that was like no we were like who's gonna try out for cheerleading? Who's going on baseball? You know who's going to you know to to band practice or whatever or, or the the you know debate team or something. But yeah, it's crazy. Now this is the thing when we force the dollars to fo follow the child, it causes competition in the marketplace. Meaning those public schools can earn those dollars just as much as a private school right. can. Um, but, you know, they have to be competitive. And that's what our parents want for their children. They, you know, we have kids right now that are graduating from our public schools that cannot do basic math and cannot write. They can't even fill out a job application. You know, we're supposed to be preparing them for their next phase of life, whether that's going to a trade school, whether it's going entering the workforce or going to college, but we are failing terribly on that. Yes. And the COVID, you know, the last three years with the, you know, remote learning and, and all that, there's a real, there is a real gap that was developed and I don't see a plan to, to try to, to bridge that gap for kids. Um, it's, it's not, they're not doing anything at this point. They're two years behind in learning. And some of the some of the people have just, you know, thrown their hands up. Now, let me be very clear. We have some phenomenal, awesome teachers. Yes. We really do. And unfortunately, they are being sucked into that the, the, the storm that the teachers unions and these woke teachers are wanting to do and pressuring them to, you know, to teach and things like that. We need to give them support and support those teachers that truly believe in, in real education and not indoctrination. Agreed. Absolutely. Get the um, politics out of the classroom and just teach the fundamentals. You're exactly right. Um, so uh, again, with the kids, um, the CDC this week is most likely going to be announcing that they're going to be adding the COVID vaccine to the recommended vaccine schedule for children, um, which my understanding is that's going to mean that states and school districts, especially federally funded, um, may start requiring the COVID vaccine for kids to go to school. So thoughts on that? Um, how do we fight against that at this point? First of all, we should not be requiring any type of experimental uh, shots being put forced on parents to give to their child in order for them to, to go to school. Uh, if they want to recommend it, that's one thing, but forcing it or excluding a child from participating in school activities but because of it is unacceptable. It's discrimination. And we need to make sure we have firm laws. Either the states can enact something or we can do it federally 
I'd rather it be happen on a, a state level because that's how fam, our founding fathers intended it to be. But either there be exemptions if, if they want to push that. But more importantly, I think it's extremely reckless that we have the CDC and even school officials that are uh, entertaining the idea, especially when we have documentation that we have severe vaccine injuries happening all over our country, affecting thousands and thousands of young people, especially. Healthy young people, that. Healthy young people and, and, you know, a a really unaffected percentage of our population. You know, the, the, the children just... My kids got COVID, a lot of kids got COVID, and we had very, very small adverse effects uh, when it came to kids. Yet some, some children did die of COVID, but we're talking about a percentage of a percentage of a percentage. Of a, for, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the thing is, the, there was other underlying issues. Correct. And the thing is, they're not taught, you know, they, they actually came out and said, look, it wasn't, I think it was the CDC, or some, one of these medical agencies just came out and says, look, Maybe, but, oh, it was the pharmaceutical companies themselves that said, hey, this wasn't going to prevent anything. It wasn't, you know, basically like they, they sold us a, a, a phony, you know, box of goods, if you will. Agreed. And now, now they're asking for exemption. So, so Americans can't, you know, seek, you know, action and um, be compensated for their lack of transparency, lack of information and being vaccine injured. I think that's horrific. Yep, I, I agree. Um, so another hypothetical question, um, and you mentioned the- I, I normally don't answer any hypothetical questions. It's so, <laughs> so as you say that, I'm kind of giggling to myself. And you said, but, uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, well, man, you know, hopefully you can make this a reality, um, I'm but- make it a reality. <laughs> uh, you can shut the doors on one federal department. You mentioned the IRS earlier. Which one do you choose? Wow, that would be a good one to choose. Uh, that, uh, we need we we need to audit the Fed, the, the Federal Reserve. Uh, let's see. There, there's quite a few. We, we definitely we could start with the IRS. That's a good one to start with. <laughs> Good, good. Uh, so, um, Sandy, is there anything else that you want voters to know before they, they head into the voting booth? Absolutely. You know, we have an opportunity now to to elect an America first, you know, conservative that's going to go to Washington, who's not part of the swamp, has no intention of joining the swamp. And a matter of fact, is proven to be, you know, able to stand on their own and fight for our, our, our values. Uh, you know, my opponent has never, you know, served in the private sector or worked in the private sector, I should say. And he's only been a career politician. And I, honestly, that's the problem with our country. We've had too many career politicians for too long. It's time we make change. And I would love that opportunity to serve you because not only am I in North Carolina serving the folks here, but as a congressional member of Congress, I would actually be helping pass legislation that affects millions of folks across our country. You know, we need to get families the relief they need. We need to get businesses the relief they need. We need cheaper gas. We need cheaper food. We need to fix our broken supply chain. And the thing is, uh, I, you know, I am not supported by all the big PAC groups. A matter of fact, my opponent has had $3.2 million uh, spent against me. And I've had very, very little, if any. And, um, but we're still we're still leading him in some polls or tied up. So this is very much a 
a, a race that that is to watch. They're calling this the uh, Dark Horse Race uh, of 2022. And I would love the opportunity to make history with you guys and get earn your vote and go to Washington and make the change that we need. We need help. We need support. So if they want, uh, you can go to my website, sandysmithnc.com. Click on that donate button. If you can fi- send $5, great. That gets a, a yard sign. If you can do more, great. I can put more commercials and radio ads. This is a team effort. This is a grassroots effort. It doesn't get any more grassroots than me. But I have to say, Matt, it's been an absolute pleasure coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Sandy. Again, sandysmithnc.com, uh, running for North Carolina's first congressional district. Thank you very much for being on Carolina Conservative. Thank you so much. All right, thanks.